Welcome back to Her Brotherhood, where we embrace triumph over tragedy. In the previous episode, we met San Diego Fire and Rescue Battalion Chief Trish Paulette. What you're about to hear is part two of her interview. And if you haven't yet, you should take a listen to the first half. In it, she talks about how she got into this adventurous career and what led her to this devastating, life-changing event in Vegas. Thank you for being here with us. It is an honor to serve you. Now, as Paul Harvey would say, on to the rest of the story. So it wasn't long after I met you, and I think I met you up in Sacramento. So it wasn't very long after, and I was actually at home reading a a news article because there had been an incident in Las Vegas that happened, and there was a shooting. You know, everything that goes along with that, but then I'm flipping through this news article about a local fireman where I live, and I'm reading about him and his girlfriend, and as I'm reading through it, I see Trish Paulette mentioned in this article. My heart dropped. My jaw dropped. I go, oh, my God. Why is her name in here? Tell me, why was your name in that article? We had been at the concert in Las Vegas, the Route 91 Harvest Festival, and we're having a wonderful weekend with some friends. Bruce and I were there with another couple. Um, He worked for the fire department also, and then another guy who I went through the fire academy with who's also with our fire department. And we were watching the concert, and there was this nice couple in front of us that we started talking to. Turned out he works for the fire department as well, and um, we'd been talking to him and his girlfriend for probably about an hour he'd gone and bought a round of beers and we were hoping the person that was passed out on the ground in front of us wouldn't throw up on our boots <laughs> next thing you know we we're, we we're kind of holding our ground and gonna enjoy watching Jason Aldean and a few songs in the shooting started and the guys thought that it was uh, firecrackers And I looked around and I saw a group of people off to the side pull back. I was trying to convince them. I felt really strongly that it was shooting, that it wasn't firecrackers. And something I saw off to the side, everybody backed up like when there's a fight. But there was, I thought, oh, those must be firecrackers. And there was no smoke and no smell. And then it became very real when um, Christina had I I didn't realize she leaned in and told Kelly she couldn't catch her breath. What I saw was Christina falling to the ground, and uh, she had been shot in the chest. And so we, Bruce, Kelly, and I all got to the ground, and our other friend, Ed, and I sent Ed for help, and um, not really realizing how big of a thing this was going to be. And uh, so it turned out that I looked, and I saw blood pouring out of sight of Christina's chest, and realized she had been shot and then our whole focus turned to I tried putting pressure on it knowing it wasn't going to do a ton of good but um, we were just trying to figure out the best way to get out of there and as quick as we could the three of us picked up Christina started carrying her out and lots of detail to the story beyond that but basically we uh we got her out of the venue and into a truck and pushed Kelly up in the truck with her. And we didn't know if we'd ever see the two of them again. And then uh, in the process of all that, Bruce had been shot in the foot. So as we're carrying Christine out, Bruce is contending with, I can't even imagine how much pain that was on the 
with being shot in his foot and his boot and all. Did you guys realize um, at that point that he had been shot or was there still so much chaos? No, we we knew instantly. So after Christina was hit, we were on the ground. I was on top of Christina and, you know, just trying to listen to her lung sounds and putting my head on her chest, trying to see if, you know, make sure I could hear her heart and hear her lungs. And she wasn't really talking. Kelly was up by her head. So he was basically trying to keep her awake and keep talking to her to see if, uh, make sure she was okay. And then I got up, I was trying to get Bruce to get down on the ground and he wouldn't, he was trying to see where the shots were coming from and figure out how to get us out of there, which was perfect because that's what we do in teams, right? Right. We can't all do the same thing. We got to cover our bases and, and take on different things. So he was getting everything figured out and I, I was kneeling behind him and I felt this burning on my leg and I reached down and I thought, oh my God, did I just get shot? Because everybody says it feels like you're burned. Right. So I reached down, I feel my leg and I don't see anything. So I go, okay, well, I must be fine. And right then Bruce turned to me and told me he was shot. Oh my God. And he got shot in the foot. So, um, it, putting it all together in the end, some of the some of the fragments of the bullet had ricocheted off his boot and hit my leg. So I just had little scratches from that. But he actually had the bullet fragments in his toe once we found out later. So at the moment it happened, I, I looked at his boot and I was trying to check. And the way the bullet fragment went in, it actually pulled the leather. So you couldn't see where the bullet went in. Oh, wow. So I feel like a horrible wife, I, I said, I know you think you were shot, but I, I think you're okay. I think it just hurts it really up, bad. And I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it hurts, but there's no blood. We got to get Christine out of here and, and kind of did the pep talk. And so then we ended up turning around. I grabbed Christina's legs, Kelly and Bruce grabbed her, um, where she had been shot in the chest. It also hit her arm. So her arm, um, was completely broken up on her humerus, her upper arm there. So yeah, we got him out and got him into the truck on the way to the hospital. And then Bruce and I went another block away and ended up finally getting him in a car and a random stranger transported us to the hospital. I was in the back seat with another gal who'd been shot in the leg. And then there was um, two more people in the back, like hatchback of that vehicle. And when we got to the emergency room and I carried the one girl in, Bruce got in and I put the gal down on a gurney and went in to look and kind of see what was going on in the hospital and if we could get help and turned my head and I looked down and there's Kelly's beautiful face um, and he saw me and I saw him and they're just like that huge sense of relief that, you know, they were in safe and doing okay. And I ended up rolling Bruce around. And so Bruce stayed there by them in the hospital. And we ended up meeting some other people who we uh, still keep in touch with Kelly and Christina and Addie and Maria and another guy named Jeff who had lost his phone and he ended up living three miles from me back in San Diego. I mean, once we ended up having lunch. Yeah. We ended up having lunch in Claremont, Claremont area of San Diego with him and his mom. So yeah, it's just, it's a small world and such a tight tight community. I mean, such in Vegas and then so many close degrees right there. I mean, a set of firefighters, you didn't even know all the firefighters standing there at the time, you know, and then you befriended them and then, 
And that's what just shocked me is seeing like Kern County and then seeing you. And in the, the article doesn't even talk about you being a firefighter as well. It's just like, oh, and Trish. And it's like, and in my head, I'm another firefighter from another department. It's just, it's all so interconnected and it's just crazy. But you guys are at this concert. The shooting starts and there's one point where you're holding a woman who's been shot in the chest. Your husband has been shot in the foot. I mean, I just, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine the emotions happening at that time. And what, what better people to handle the situation, knowing that you guys have had chaos in your life and had emergencies, but now you are in the emergency. You're not there responding. But yeah, it definitely is a little different when you're in that, you're not in a role. And we've, we've talked with some friends of ours who have been through some different things, uh, like a significant trauma. And one of the things we all realized is those things that affect us the most are when we didn't have, we call it our armor. We didn't have our armor up. You know, we weren't in our normal response mode or not in our typical way of going after things. The nice thing for Bruce and I, I think, is just the fact that we had each other through all of this. I, I mean, I'm so grateful. And I, I posted that night from the hospital, just a quick post on Facebook because I mean, it was late. I think by the time we got Bruce to the hospital, I want to say it was the shooting happened around 10 o'clock. So it was about midnight. I knew a lot of people knew I was at the concert. So I just put a post on Facebook. I think I said, we're fine or we're good or something, something like that. I think I said, we're fine. So then a lot of people are like, oh, thank God. Yeah, you not know, Bruce has been so shot then when people, right. right. And, but okay. in the big picture, it's like, yeah. we are, I mean, we are fine. We were in the hospital with four people who didn't make it and other people who like Christina had been shot in the chest. And I mean, we knew Bruce was gonna gonna be fine you know he we were gonna make it so it was just one of those things of realizing that there was just a lot of things for us over the next few days of him healing and the next month a lot of just sitting around and talking and figuring out what we wanted to come out of this because it was such a horrible situation what was it and there was so much I was gonna say what was it those following weeks and months, what was it that was just flashing in your mind? What were the pieces that stuck with you? The biggest thing is, you know, Bruce was struggling with being very angry and I was feeling so fortunate and yet so overwhelmingly sad for all the other people who had lost so much. We just kept telling each other, you know, we need to for our sake, we need to not let that asshole take anything away from us. We really, you know, he doesn't get to take anything that we love. So we started making our checklist of all the things that we needed to do that otherwise people might not. Like we picked the next concert that we were going to go to. We went to our next concert about a month later. We went shooting out in the desert because we enjoy shooting guns and and Bruce is a hunter you know and that's something that's important to us and we didn't want to have that fear and going out in large public venues going back to Vegas there there were there was just this list of things that night with our friends we were all supposed to go out to dinner after the show we were all going to go to Denny's and have chicken fried steak and eggs (laughs) so Part of our closure was going to Denny's and having chicken fried steak and egg. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's just the, um, just some little things and some big things, but really working through that. When we went to our first concert, Bruce was still on crutches. 
And uh, that was, it was kind of a blur, but we went with my dear friend, Kim, um, who had been my best friend since second grade. And her father was the one who helped raise me that I talked about earlier. So her and her husband went to the concert with us. And so just having them there um, really helped with getting us through it. But yeah, it was, I think that's the biggest thing is we're just, we're not the kind of people that are going to let anyone dictate what our life's going to be. So that guy definitely didn't get to have that power over us. So were you guys, would you say that you guys were demonstrating some like typical post-traumatic stress um, symptoms after that? And and did you guys reach out for help? We did. Yeah. Um, The first person we reached out to, um, told us that all the, the list that we had made was very healthy, that that was one of the things that she would have recommended to us. And so um, she felt like we were going down a good path. And at that point, we felt like we were talking to each other and didn't really need to do much else. So we um, took a break and waited to see what happened. And then I think the biggest thing for me was there was just a lot of crime. I'm not a crier. I have not typically been a crier, but there were just so many things that were weighing so heavy on me. And so seeing someone, I ended up going and seeing a gentleman who, a doctor who helped me with a thing called EMDR. I think it's um, eye movement. It's a rapid eye movement yeah. therapy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. EMDR. Right. And we didn't do that at first, but we did that. And um, that was really, really helpful for yeah, me. Tell me, tell me and more it, about that because I've heard amazing things about it. And so, you know, you were approached with this and, and so tell me about that experience, like how it really worked. So for me, we did it two different ways. One way of doing it is um, where you my with my eyes, I'd follow his fingers and think through the event. And as I'm going through it, then at some point he'd, you know, just tell me, watch my fingers. And then he'd say, you know, where are you at now? And I'd tell him where I was in the series of that night and walking through some of the details then he'd just have me keep going with that. That was because of what I saw. So there were also, um, I smelled blood for five days after the concert. I didn't know if that was ever going to go away. And I was so grateful when it did. But because it was also so sensory for me, other than just what I saw, he did another technique that had to do with like little buzzers in my hand it would do a similar type thing. And that was to capture more of the other senses versus just what I had seen. So um, using the combination of the two is absolutely amazing. There was one part of that night when we had carried Christine out initially and we, the guy started shooting again. When we started carrying her and running, there was a break in the shooting. And when he started shooting again, I saw a shiny bar table. And so we went and took cover behind that. And where we were, there was um, another gal who I saw who had been shot and was in a very large puddle of blood for a very long time after the concert. I I wondered, I mean, we had our hands full trying to get Christina out of there. And from everything I've seen and I know, I didn't believe that that person was still alive or that she could have survived based on what I saw. And again, just, you know, with work experience, you kind of get a sense of, you know, what, when you're going to make a difference and when you're not, even though you always try. 
but that night there there was nothing that I could do. And there were some other people there with us. So we we're kind of hoping that they would be able to try to help her. And we grabbed Christy and I flipped, I found a bar cart, ran out about 10, 15 feet away, flipped everything off the bar cart, ran back over. Christina was lifted onto the bar cart by Bruce Kelly and I, and then we rolled her out the rest of the way to the truck. But in the process of all of that, that was really one of my sticking points for the night was the gal that I had seen and not knowing if she made it or not. And I, I eventually got closure on that. But then there was a post when it was her birthday and there was a post about her kids. And through all of that, everything I saw was just making me so sad. And I couldn't talk about it or even think about it without crying. So obviously the fact mm-hmm. that I'm able to do this now is a direct result of the work we did with the EMDR. Yeah, you saw, you knew that she didn't make, you figured out who she was later. Yeah. 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 I, I can only imagine. And that she had not made it. So yeah. that was one of the sensory things that he worked with you through EMDR to get. So when you recalled those memories, they, they didn't, basically didn't impact you so much. Exactly. Yeah. And that that's basically, it's just desensitizing. And there's a lot of other things we worked on. There were some people that said they got those buzzers that go in their hands and that they were good. You know, they could do that themselves. And mm-hmm. there really were some other skills learning about empathy, sympathy, and compassion and how those affect me and how I can use those. There, there were just a lot of tools. We were very fortunate that the group that we were able to work with are called Focus and Focus Psychological Services in San Diego. And they have a contract with our police department and with our fire department. And just they're very experienced clinicians with post-traumatic stress and um, traumatic experiences. And so having, having someone who knew what they were doing was invaluable. Yeah. I'm very grateful. And I know a lot of people think they're like, well, I don't, I, I don't need to go see anybody because I haven't been through a shooting or I haven't, I haven't been in the military or, you know, and I think a lot of times we, we have a hard time getting people to understand how okay it is to go talk to someone because it doesn't have to be a super big tragedy to have things that affect you mentally. And I would say you're definitely yeah. a big advocate of mental health. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things we all want to be strong and we all want to think that we have the tools to work through it. But there's there's things that I learned. I'll, I'll give you an example of something very simple that I, as simple as it is, I would not have thought of it. So I woke up one night and I heard rifle fire outside of my door. My heart was pounding out of my chest. I woke up and everything in me, everything in my mind that's real said, there is nobody shooting outside of your door. You're fine. But I didn't know how to tell myself that. So part of the trauma affects your reasonable, rational mind and your subconscious mind. And getting those two to reconnect is something that has to happen in order for you to feel safe again. So for example, I knew I wasn't being shot at, but my subconscious is going, yeah, and remember how relaxed you were at that concert and you didn't think anybody was going to shoot at you and what happened there. So as simple as when I would wake up or I was going by a construction site and somebody was firing off a nail gun, it was going pop, 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 pop. And that started getting my heart racing. So simply saying, whether out loud or in my head, I said, I'm okay, talking to me. 
mm-hmm. you're okay, my subconscious mind that doesn't believe me, okay. <laughs> and we're okay. We're okay, right? Bringing those two back together. Right. So simply with three deep breaths saying, I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay. By the time I was done, my heart rate went from racing and pounding out of my chest to I couldn't even feel my heart beating in my chest anymore. Like oh. it just the most amazing thing. And that's so simple. I mean, it's that, that simple, <laughs> right. but I never would have thought of that on my own. Right. And that simple tool that he gave me made such a significant impact. Yeah. So, and that could yeah, be, somebody could just get, they could have got picked on at school or they could have been in a close call accident with their car. I mean, it doesn't, you know, something so simple. And then all of a sudden that creates a panic yeah. in them in the future. And yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. You're okay. We're okay. Just. And it's definitely, it's, it's when it's still coming back and sticking with you that it's time to get help. If you can't work through it in a reasonable time and it's affecting your ability to think, to sleep, to function, to do things, it's worth seeking help, I think. Absolutely. So with you and Bruce after that, I mean, I can't, do you, do you think that that, do you think that incident, that experience had anything to do with when you guys decided to retire? We had always hoped to retire when I turned 50, just because we both started young and we would have almost 30 years in the profession. And, you know, we had both through all the years realized that, you know, we'd seen enough things that we, we just, we both loved the careers that we had. We loved what we were able to do, but we both realized that the longer you do it, the harder it gets on you. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think that made us even more grateful for the days that we have. Yeah. And so getting to being able to do things that we, I don't want to say do things that we, we love, but we had a new adventure that we needed to do. We wanted to live in a different place. And we both believe we're mountain people at heart that ended up being raised and, and working in <laughs> cities, but <laughs> well, I've seen the new lawnmower and the new tractor, and you guys are you guys are well on your way to really really being one with the land up there for sure. You have an, yeah, a, we're an amazing it. place, and so tell me. Last time I saw you though at well, I saw you have a beautiful tattoo on your arm, a new tattoo. Uh, tell me about that. I do. I don't know if I can turn it. Oh yeah, I can see, see pieces there it of it. Yeah, oh, my yeah, God, that that's thing is my amazing. phoenix. So you've got a phoenix on your arm and tell me the inspiration for that. And Um, Bruce and I both for years have been talking about a fire tattoo and we didn't want the typical fire helmet or flames or the same thing that everybody did. But there were years where people, um, the public and politicians primarily were pretty hard on us as civil servants saying that we were overpaid and, and, you know, putting the city into bankruptcy and, really attacking firefighters saying that we were the source of a lot of problems and not really giving us credit for what we were doing to provide service and to take care of people. So one of the things we had always said is get something on our forearm where when we reach out our arms to help someone, they would see this symbol. And so whether it was proud to serve or privileged to serve, just to show that we're, we're doing this because it's what we love and we genuinely want to be there. And it over time, we wanted to have something where we could reach out our arm and, and someone would see that even though maybe we're, we're being made as villains somehow in the public and political arenas, 
that we really are coming into their homes with a, a good heart, truly wanting to be there to help them and to take care of them. And we realized that, you know, we didn't want anything that was that direct fire department. When we retired, we wanted to have something that was more subtle. And we came up with the Phoenix. And it came partly after Vegas is when we came up with the idea, but kind of that trial by fire. You know, we've we've been through fire. We're renewed by fire. We, we've just had a lot of opportunities to grow and change and improve over the years. And I think Bruce and I have both become much better as people for what we've done for a living and all the people that we've been with and worked with and helped who have also helped us through that process. Oh, absolutely. I wish, I only wish I had met you sooner in my career. Really do. I wish, I wish I'd met you sooner because you're definitely someone that, I mean, you are now still going on a mentor to me, but, but you know, women, we're always looking for other really strong women that, that inspire us. And you are definitely one of those. And, and I want to learn more about your relationship with Bruce too, because you guys definitely have something special. You know, last time I talked to you, you had to get going because there was an eagle swooping down to your pond. And you were worried <laughs> that it was going to get your ducklings. So your life has definitely changed from being in San Diego. And I envy you. You're in such a beautiful place. And I'm so glad that you guys are on to that next chapter. And I, I can see that you're going to enjoy it. And we are going to come see you soon. Thank you. I'm looking forward to having you. And I feel the same way about you, Abby. You're so amazing. And everything that you're doing and using the challenges that you've gone through to help others is so admirable and so touching. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to meet Trisha and learn a little bit more about this firefighting woman. It means the world to both of us. I would love to hear your feedback on the podcast, either as a review where you listen, on Her Brotherhood social media, or send an email to abby at herbrotherhood.com. If you know someone who would be a great addition to Her Brotherhood podcast, please let me know. I would love to meet them. Now, go forth and lead with fire. <laughs>